0: You're going to love this. Just love it.
1: I'm Brad Friedman, live from the Pacifica Radio Studios, KPSK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest in China Lake, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe. Internationally on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on Progressive Voices Channel, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, and much more. Yes, you can run, but you can't hide. I'm Brad Friedman of BradBlog.com, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all around. Swell Fellow, says me, if no one else. Uh, Got a big show for you today. We will be taking your calls at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-5735. If you want to get in line right now, I wanted to uh, give a quick shout out and thank you to those who donated over the past week to uh, our recent emergency fund drive here at KPFK. Uh, in a similar vein, by the way, uh, you, you may have already heard about the Indiana Pizza, pizza Shop, uh, whose owners said <laughs> that, that if asked, they would refuse to cater a same-sex wedding. Well, you may have heard that that shop, who is refusing uh, to cater at same-sex weddings, uh, has raised more than $840,000 Thanks to their hatred. Yes, in the wake of their announcement, they're making money hand over fist. They set up a GoFundMe site. And since then, a florist in Washington state uh, similarly refused to sell wedding flowers to a same-sex couple. Uh, They've so far received, well, this was as of last week, I think it was $85,000 in a crowdfunding campaign. So... Hatred sells. Maybe we're uh, maybe we're in the wrong business here at KPFK. We're going to have to have a meeting about that. Um, (laughs) And so, yes, that's right. In a similar vein, I am thereby uh, declaring here and now that the Brad blog, we will no longer. Not that we ever did, but we will never in the future sell our blogging services to any same sex marriage ceremonies. That's right. You heard me. We're not going to do it. We're not going to. Uh, we're not. We're just not going to blog. Nobody. They're not going to be able to hire me. If you were thinking of hiring me for your same-sex wedding to blog it, I won't do it. Frankly, because I need the money. You can find my PayPal link at uh, at BradBlog.com. Just saying. Uh, Okay. Your calls, I already mentioned, 818-985-5735. It's another big week. We've got Hillary now jumping into the race. We've got Marco Rubio jumping into the 2016 race. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, speaking of raising money, I had, um, had talked about Ted Cruz when he jumped in, when he was the first one on the Republican side to jump in. And of course... We made fun of him because, frankly, Ted Cruz, he's uh, kind of a loon. Uh, he, At least he likes to pretend to be a loon because that is apparently the way that you get votes in the Republican Party right now. Uh, by pretending things are true, that simply aren't. By pretending things aren't true, that simply are. There is no climate change. Oh, climate changes all the time. Nothing to worry about. Send Ted Cruz money. Uh, oh, the uh, president, Barack Obama, is uh, attacking conservatives with the irs send him money none of that's true but you know send him money well we made fun of him turns out he has vaulted to the top tier of the 2016 money race uh he raised in just one week alone 31 million dollars in a single week or at least his super PACs, the super PACs that uh, support Ted Cruz, raised $31 million in a single week. Uh, This is amazing. According to uh, Washington Post, the hall, which ranks as one of the biggest fundraising surges in modern presidential race history, served as a sudden wake-up call for the rest of the likely Republican field, particularly Jeb Bush, who until now had enjoyed his status as the premier fundraiser in the contest's early stage. But now it's game on. Make fun of Ted Cruz all you want. But in 2016, when our elections no longer have anything to do with, uh, you know, actual positions on issues, and it's been some years since I I think they have, but by now definitely has nothing to do with positions on the issues. It has only to do with how much money you can raise. And if we go by that standard... Uh, Ted Cruz is a force to be reckoned with. And not only, uh, uh, you know, money that you raise personally in your campaign, but dark money. How many billionaires you have. Actually, it doesn't matter if you have billionaires. If you have one billionaire who's happy to give you tens of millions, you're in great shape. So we have no idea who who the people are who have given $31 million to Ted Cruz's super PACs. But there you go. Last time I make fun of uh, somebody's presidential chances. Uh, okay, some uh, we will have a little bit later on in the show some quick news, a uh, uh, quick update, if you will, on uh, the uh, wife beating, accused wife beating Judge Mark Fuller and his case. Uh, we'll have some news on that job killing Obamacare. Plus, as I say, your calls at 818 985 KPFK. Also, as usual, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report will be with us a little bit later. Uh, As as she keeps up with the 2016 candidates and their positions on climate change or flip-floppery thereof. Yes, Marco Rubio, talking to you. Remember when you used to believe in climate change? Uh, Anyway, Hillary Clinton still does. Plus, China cuts coal use almost in half in a single year, something Republicans said would never happen. And Wisconsin gets on board the don't-say-climate-change bandwagon that... uh, uh, began a few weeks ago in Florida, so uh, all of that and more straight ahead. But first, and before we get to your calls, um, th- you know, over the past couple of weeks on this uh, program, we've been talking about Iran, the, uh, the the treaty that is going on between Iran and 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 uh, U.S. and Great Britain and Germany and France and China and Russia and the Republicans who are trying to undermine it in an unprecedented fashion. That letter that uh, Senator Tom Cotton wrote a few weeks ago, signed by 47 Republican U.S. senators trying to undermine that treaty, uh, which is just amazing and unprecedented. But what it's really about, what it has been about from the beginning, is even though everything in this treaty is stuff that Republicans used to want, now they're against the treaty. A, because it's you know, Barack Obama who's brokering it, but more importantly, because it's about war and the idea that if we make peace with Iran, we won't have any war. Uh, We can't have that. Now, of course, uh, the Republicans are saying, uh, "Okay, what we really want is for Iran to uh, recognize the right of the state of Israel to exist. But, you know, That's also nonsense. It's about having war. And it's about the idea that if we uh, if we can't continue warmongering against Iran, we're in trouble. Well, you know, U.S. has always been incredibly aggressive, as you know. But this idea that we are in perpetual war now, the idea that war is the default position, I think, is relatively new. You know, before George W. Bush uh, came in, we had uh, eight years of relatively uh, peaceful prosperity. Well, we can't have that. And Bush uh, fixed that after 9-11, announced we'd have wars as far as the eye could see. Uh, Obama, who has somewhat moderated that position, has still continued the default idea that we will be at war essentially forever. This is not a Republican uh, mindset only. Uh, Lots of Democrats are now voting with the Republicans uh, to intercede in these Iran talks. They passed uh, uh, something out of committee yesterday, 19 to nothing, uh, calling for Congress to have the right to reject this treaty being worked out uh, between the U.S. and Iran and all of these other countries. But so it's not just Republicans. It is Democrats. But it's also now the pervasive mindset of the U.S. mainstream media. War is the default position. Anything else like peace is for radical extremists. Really, it really is. And I I share with you some evidence here. This was you probably heard this interview or you heard about it or you saw it between Rand Paul Uh, And Savannah Guthrie on NBC on the Today Show last week. Um, Now, a lot of people, you may have heard it because a lot of people covered it. They covered Rand Paul's dismissive and condescending tone towards Savannah uh, Guthrie, his arrogant attitude. And it it really was. And a lot of people have said, oh, Rand Paul, he's just sexist every time he uh, is interviewed by, uh, by a woman. Something like that happens, and there is some evidence for that. But, you know, I heard something else entirely. I agree with, with that aspect of it, but what really troubled me was something else entirely. And let me play you just a, a couple of clips from this show. Here's uh, Savannah Guthrie interviewing Rand Paul, and uh, as, she, as she begins uh, the interview, it's, it's reasonable enough.
2: You have had views in the past on foreign policy that are somewhat unorthodox.
1: That's true. Rand Paul has had views in the past in foreign policy that are somewhat unorthodox, unorthodox compared to his own party. That's fine. That's understandable. Okay, things are going well. And then she gets in to the heart of her question.
2: But you seem to have changed over the years. You once said Iran was not a threat. Now you say it is. You once proposed ending foreign aid to Israel. You now support it, at least for the time being. And you once offered to drastically yeah, well, cut. Well, we wait, go, wait, wait, wait. Go, once drastically we, and wanted to, to cut defense to spending, and now you want me. to increase it 16%. Before, so I just wonder yeah, if you've mellowed out.
1: Okay. Did you get that? There was uh, this is and the part that and this is the part that jumped out at me. She says, uh, you seem to have changed over the years. You once said Iran was not a threat. Now you say it is. You propose sending foreign aid to Israel. More military help to Israel. You were against it. You now support it. And she says you once offered to drastically cut defense spending and now you want to increase it. 16 percent. So Rand Paul has definitely flip-flopped on his positions, and he doesn't want people to hear that. And I understand that he doesn't want people to notice that he's completely flip-flopping in order to try to win the Republican nomination. But then she throws in at the end, she says, so I just wonder if you've mellowed out. That's right. Uh, Thinking that Iran is a threat? Wanting to spend more money on Israel military? And wanting to increase the defense budget 16% in the U.S. mainstream media, that equals mellowing out. More war equals mellowing out. I think that's just amazing. The default position is war. If you're against war... You're an extremist. You're a fringe, radical, revolutionary. If you're in favor of war, you've mellowed out. And just in case, uh, you know, when I first heard this, I thought, okay, well, maybe Savannah Guthrie, maybe she didn't mean mellowed out. Maybe she got uh, uh, flustered because Rand Paul was talking over her and trying to, uh, you know, not let her points get out. But then she restated her question at the end of the interview. And yes, indeed, she was talking about more militarism equals Mellowed out.
2: And before I let you go, I mean, I think the question I was getting at in general is just that when you came to Washington and you realized I'm going to run for president, have you mellowed or tempered your views at all?
1: (laughs) So again, calling for more war is mellowing and tempering your views, according to Savannah Guthrie on NBC. And, of course, it's not only NBC, uh, which is partially owned now by uh, General GE, which sells a lot of military stuff. Uh, It's it's not only on NBC. A couple of years ago, we may have even covered it on the broadcast a, a couple of years ago, back in 2013 on CNN, Aaron Burnett said almost the exact same thing. She was discussing Chuck Hagel, uh, who was at the time a senator, and he was being considered uh, to be, at the time, a Democratic uh, President Barack Obama's defense secretary. And Aaron Burnett on CNN in 2013 used almost the exact same words. She had concerns about Chuck Hagel's positions on Iran, that he wasn't warmongering enough Here's what she said uh, during a uh, a segment with uh, uh, David Frum, a big Republican operative, used to be a speechwriter for George Bush, and David Axelrod, uh, Obama's uh, campaign advisor, none of whom objected to Aaron Burnett's uh, point here. Here was uh, Aaron Burnett talking about Chuck Hagel being against war with Iran back in January of 2013.
3: Hegel voted against sanctions. Now, he says he's for multilateral sanctions, but he voted against unilateral sanctions. He voted against uh, recognizing the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist organization. And in 2006, Hegel said, and I'll just quote him in part, I would say that a military strike against Iran, a military option, is not a viable, feasible, responsible option. I believe a political settlement will be the answer, not a military settlement.
1: So uh, he, Hegel was against war at the time. He was against war with Iran at the time. That seems like a reasonable view uh, in wanting to have diplomacy instead of war. But not to Aaron Burnett. Uh, she thought that that was outrageous. That was outside the mainstream, the idea that you would want peace, the idea that you would want diplomacy. So then when Hegel... Being considered as the next defense secretary actually wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post saying, yeah, you know, we shouldn't have war, but if we have to, we will. For that, Aaron Burnett approved.
3: Now, since then, to be fair, he has tempered his point of view in an op-ed as recently as September. He says war with Iran is not inevitable, but U.S. security is seriously threatened by a nuclear-armed Iran.
1: <laughs> That's just amazing to me. Chuck Hagel has tempered his views by calling for the possibility of war in Iran. And Rand Paul has mellowed out and tempered his views by calling for the possibility of war in Iran, by calling for more military money to Israel, by calling to increase the defense budget. This is just an amazing thing. And it's sort of slipped under the radar. And people, you know, I, I, I think they're not really talking about it because we have come to understand that war is the default position. To me, that's quite disturbing. Maybe it is to you as well. 818-985-5735. Uh, you know, this contrast and the idea that war is now the default position uh, is now more clear than ever. We've had President Obama has long been asking uh, Congress to perform their constitutional duty and and debate and give authorization for the ongoing wars that are happening in Iraq and Syria against ISIS. The U.S. is already involved in these wars and he's asking Congress to give, them authoriza- to give him authorization. But they simply won't debate it. They don't want to debate it because the fact of the matter is, if they debate it, uh, Congress may limit Obama's ability to do anything. They may say they may put an end date on the war. Right now, this war is ongoing. And Obama can keep uh, running it for uh, years if he wants. Congress is fine with that, so they're not even going to debate it, even while they're complaining, even while the Republicans are complaining that Barack Obama is using up his uh, executive, uh, you know, his imperial powers uh, of the executive and and, uh, encroaching on what Congress is supposed to do according to the Constitution. So Congress wants nothing to do with what's going on in, uh, against ISIS. They're happy with the war because we have a war. So they don't want to change that. But when it comes to discussion about peace in Iran, oh, that could be a problem. We're going to have a problem with that. We're going to have to get uh, Congress has got to come in there and approve any peace treaty, any radical revolutionary peace treaty. We can't have that. Congress is all too happy to stop potential peace from breaking out. Here was Rachel Maddow on MSNBC talking about exactly that last night.
2: Congress ignoring and wanting nothing to do with all of these hot wars
1: that we are already in feels all the more remarkable on a day like today when the Congress got up on its hind legs to start yelling about their prerogative to get involved. Not in one of our myriad existing wars, but instead in a diplomatic effort to avert war with Iran. Constitutionally, the administration sets foreign policy of the United States and negotiates on behalf of our country. Constitutionally, it is Congress that makes decisions on matters of war and peace. And at this fraught time in the world, It is nice to see Congress perk up and take notice of the world around them. It is strange,
2: though, deeply strange, that they have only discovered this interest in getting involved when it comes to the administration's efforts to avert a new war, when they can't seem to muster any interest at all in the wars
1: that we are already in. So ongoing wars are fine. That's the default. Peace. Peace. That calls for approval. This is an amazing, uh, a, an amazing point to me. Not only does it call for approval, but peace is radical. War is mellow. War is tempered out. It's amazing to me. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I got to tell you, Orwell right now must be smiling. Because war is peace and more war is mellowing out. 2- Girls, mellow out. Give war a chance. We're going to take a quick break here and come back with your calls and much more. Got a lot of other stuff to cover, but I want to hear from you. 818-985-5735. Am I missing something here? Am I misunderstanding something here? 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Stay tuned. we Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com here with you. Taking your calls, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Have you noticed that militarism is now the default option? War is now the default option. Uh, to me, this is an amazing thing. It's a subtle difference, but it is a huge difference, and it is a troubling Difference. Uh, got some other stuff to cover, but I want to take some of your calls on this first. Let's go to Morris in Long Beach. Uh, hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast.
0: Greetings from the hood. Uh, Brad, you know, you're spot on target. This is about uh, uh, the lobbyists having influence. Over our public officials, they are trying to create war in Iran, mm-hmm. a very peaceful company, a company country. Uh, there's a book called uh, Manufacture Crisis. You might want to check that out. And it's an example where we've got 47 people are going to create treason. It's going to show you that money uh, Trump the Constitution, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And also, I want to say this about Rand Paul, who uh, has come so- short of perfect. But I appreciate his stance on uh, the surveillance state. And I'm hoping that will push Hillary Clinton to also comment it, on it and, and push it, further to the left on that issue.
1: Thanks for being well. Yeah, thanks, Morris. I appreciate your thought. And uh, I hope it does push Hillary Clinton, by the way, his stance on the security state. But be careful of what Rand Paul says, actually, because uh, he's not um, – remember his he did that 13-hour filibuster on, on – uh, he was against drones. And then the very next day he said, well, it's different if someone is, uh, you know, let's say – in the act of a crime like robbing a liquor store. So Rand Paul talks a good game. He was against drones and against using drones unless it's to stop a criminal coming out of a liquor store. Uh, Be careful with Rand Paul. He uh, he is not a he is not Ron Paul and B. um, I think he kind of makes up this stuff as he goes along. I really do. so just be careful with him. That's all I'll say. Let me go to uh, David in Sherman Oaks. Hey, David, welcome to the broadcast.
4: Um, Thank you very much. I just wanted to point out that our nation has been in a state of perpetual war for so long, and according to our founding fathers, we're not supposed to be at war for more than two years, and half of our budget, if not more, um, annually goes towards military while we have crumbling schools, crumbling roads, and people in pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And all we're doing, we're feeding this corporation that builds huge bombs that destroy the livelihood of people. And only a few people are getting rich off this while our nation is going bust and broke.
1: Yep, you're absolutely right, David. Uh, before I let you go, you said uh, the Founding Fathers said we were only supposed to have wars for two years. Where did you get that impression? Where, where does that come from? <laughs>
4: I heard that, I think, from Tom Hartman on your own show about a month ago, that once you go past two years, you have to go to Congress, I believe, to extend it. But Ah. our philosophy from the beginning was, look, no more than two years at war, and it seems that for a whole century, we go from one war to another to another, and we're the cops of the universe. Yeah, Again with that money is going out of the pocket of the citizens. They're being taxed yep. and they're not getting the benefit, you know, incomes yep. are going down, the rich are getting richer and I'm just paying for these wars and, uh The schools my kids go to, they don't have what they need to have proper education.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I love how these Republicans love to pretend that uh, U.S. is going broke. We have to cut Social Security. We have to cut Medicare when so much of our budget is to, you know, we're not going broke at all. If anything, no, if we're going broke billion
4: annually, we're... 900 bases around the world in you know, over 100 right.
1: countries. No, that's what I'm saying. If we're going broke, David, we're going broke because of all of the military spending. If we stop that, we'd have plenty of money. Thanks for the call, David. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, David. My apologies. But you're absolutely right. Let's go to D in Pasadena. Hey, D. welcome to the broadcast.
2: Hey Brad, I want to thank you know the makers, the creators, whoever they are, for put having you on the air because <laughs> <laughs> we need to hear we, we need your point of view. We thank don't you. get it anywhere else, and we really need to have this to have this dialogue open to the public so we can start thinking about things and, and try to uh, progressively do something. That and not only uh, how about pushing so Elizabeth Warren doesn't want to run? Why don't we push Bernie Sanders?
1: I, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't it's think it
2: will a Will, or, or I think it's a Wilcox show, or it, it, it comes on after the Daily Show. He announced that he would run if he has the support.
1: Yeah, the Larry Wilmore show, and I was going to say I don't, I don't think you have to push Bernie very hard. I think, uh, I think he's push. most likely going to run. And yeah, keep pushing. Uh, thanks, Dee. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the, the call. Yeah, I got a lot of comments. You know, I wrote about this at Brad Blog, um, and uh, and over at Salon, uh, who picked up my article and ran it over there. And a lot of people in the comments were saying, yeah. Thanks for noticing this. Thanks for noticing this part, because the media, and this is both left and right, you know, dangle a shi- shiny object in front of them. Oh, look, Rand Paul and Savannah Guthrie, they're having a little spat on television. And Rand is unhappy with the way that Savannah is wording the question. And, uh, oh, Rand uh, speaks down to women and blah, blah, blah. And all of that may well be true. But uh, pay attention, sheeple, as they like to say. Uh, the You've got right there in front of you an example on the mainest of uh, mainstream media, on NBC, on the Today Show, their news anchor, Savannah Guthrie, describing war and describing militarism and more of it as mellowing out. That just blows me away. 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. Uh, KPFK. Let me. Uh, well, let me take one more call, and then I'll get to some more stuff, and then back to some more calls. Hey, Matt uh, in Topanga, welcome to the broadcast, Matt.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And uh, I think there, as we all know, there's a couple root causes of this. I'm fortunate to have joined the team on a documentary called Under the Influence. We just interviewed Kucinich and Tom Hartman. Had uh, they've interviewed Noam Chomsky, Ralph Nader, this and that. We know that.
1: You didn't. You didn't interview me, Matt. I'm just saying. I would love to. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll we'll talk off the air. Okay. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, um, you know, obviously, the, the politicians are beholden to who holds the purse strings. So that's that's number one, and number two. I mean, you know, I guess this is a quick quick tangent about the the corporate welfare queens of the military industrial complex have. You know, there, there really are the owners, as you mentioned, the media and the politicians, and also the Orwellian double speak is 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 just ramped up to a super height right now. Yep. Also, this may seem unrelated, but it is very related. State-owned banks would remove a lot of this stuff because if if there's no private banks, if it's only state-owned banks, all that money goes to the state budget. This and that. We won't be squabbling about a lot of these other little budget issues and this and that, uh, the coffers uh, for, for paying many city services. This and, it will be full and there won't be as many ways to hijack us and dupe us. And I actually have your number um, because I was talking to you a couple years ago about doing another documentary. And I would love to Contact you if you're interested under in the influence because it's a really powerful thing.
1: We've got a lot of heavy
0: hitters involved already.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, by all means, touch base with me. But before I let you go, Matt, are, are you saying that nationalizing? You're calling for nationalizing the banks. Is that? Did I understand that correctly?
0: Well, I mean. I don't know. It, it, basically, yeah. I mean, treat the banks like roadways and whatnot. I mean, these things. And so, if are... we
1: nationalize the banks, somehow that makes us more uh, less militarist, militaristic. Is that am I understanding your point? Because I don't understand how those are connected.
0: In in if we have state, I mean, the the primary mm-hmm. uh, way in, in the, of of the less militarism is is get. Corporate money. The corporate welfare queens of the military industrial complex yeah. are not able to buy our politicians. That's really going to help take care of that. But also because of the distractions of, oh, the good jobs from the military companies and this and that, you know. A lot of the financial desperation has been brought about by the banksters. Yeah. If, we, if we only had what North Dakota has, not even necessarily a national bank, but every state and municipality yeah. had its own bank, uh, these are like cars that generate their own fuel. Well, the-
1: I, I'm, not, I'm not against uh, the idea of, of, of nationalizing the banks. I'm just not sure I understand how that ties to our increased militarism.
0: Well, it, it is one of the ways the the banksters help to create such a a uh, effed up um, economy that we there are a, a number of factors that go towards our militarism, a, a whole slew of desperate kids joining the military for no jobs, right. ownership of the politicians, the the uh, you know the, the, right. the patriotism of. Of endless war. Another thing, too, we need to call out these people that call themselves Christians and say, "Hey, man, there's no such there's no, uh, the the notion of a, of, of a pro-war Christian is about as viable as a meat-eating vegetarian." And these are all the
1: you know. Oh well, if you're gonna uh, Matt, if you're gonna start uh, you know picking on uh, Christians for all of their hypocrisy. Well, I'm going to need a much longer show. Thanks for the call, Thanks for the call, Matt. I, uh, I want to get, I'll i get back to your calls in a second. 818-985-KPFK. 818-985-5735. If you have any thoughts on uh, what we've been talking about or anything else, and I'm going to throw out a few more things here uh, for you to talk about because I've been uh, carrying this one around for a while and trying to get to it. Congressman John Fleming, Republican from Louisiana, uh, he was on uh, some this radio show, some right-wing show, the, the John Frederick show in Virginia, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think this was right after Obama had referenced the idea of mandatory voting. Uh, and it was also when the Republicans were pretending to be furious about his uh, executive actions on immigration and everything else. And there were some comments that Congressman John Fleming made on this show that uh, kind of blew me away in about three or four different ways. So I'm going to play this clip real quick, and, uh, and, and then we'll unpack it for you. In
0: many states, uh, the only thing required to vote is simply an ID. Well, they'll have one. Uh, so make no mistake about it, that this is part of a grand plan for the Democrat Party to make this nation into a single-party state uh... as they have already accomplished in california and you see the devastating impact it's having there uh... you know the the people who come across the border are hard-working family people they have great values and that's all well and good but they're also very very consistent democrat voters uh... we know they come from cultures that look to government for solutions and so uh... the democrat party knows this and they know that if they can't win elections using American citizens, uh, uh, this is a good way to go around that.
1: Oh, please. There is so much to break down there, but I'll try to do it quick uh, because I know a lot of you want to get into the show here. Okay, first, uh, the Democrat Party. It's not the Democrat Party, Congressman. It's the Democratic Party. Show some goddamn respect, will you? You're a Republicanist. You should know better. Uh, Okay, Uh, secondly, uh, no, they won't have ID to vote Uh, if immigrants are allowed to stay here. And they're staying here anyway, millions of them. They're not going back. You're not going to be able to send them back. We can't afford to send them back. But they are not voting. Non-citizens are not voting. I know Republicans love to pretend they're voting, but they are not voting. They are not affecting elections. You are simply scaremongering, sir. Uh, As opposed to the idea to make a single-party state, that, too, is a joke, an absolute joke. Uh, The only thing that's going to result in a single-party state is if uh, your party, if you Republicans, continue hating on everyone. And then anyone who wants to join the Democratic Party and vote against you, it's hard to blame them. Uh, finally, devastating impact. A one-party nation, a one-party state. Look at the devastating impact that has had in California, where we are, where we are broadcasting from. Really, Congressman? Devastating impact here in California. Well, a, we're not really a one-party state. We do have uh, some Republicans out here. But that said, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, just a few, uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, California now uh, leads the nation in job creation uh, with 498,000 jobs uh, added out here in California between January of 2014 and January of 2015. So if that's the devastating impact the congressman has been talking about, if more jobs for everyone is the devastating impact that has taken over California... Let's have more devastation, shall we? Uh, speaking of which, and speaking of congressmen, uh, congress members absolutely lying and the media not calling them out on it, uh, Obamacare. Uh, got some more numbers on it this week, but let me just remind you what the Republicans have been saying about Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, over the past few years and how devastating the impact of Obamacare would be on our economy. In my opinion, uh, Obamacare is the biggest job killer we have in America today.
2: It is also a job killer. Putting a chilling effect on job creation.
1: It has become such a job killer in our economy.
2: Obamacare is the biggest job killer in this country. Obamacare is crushing
1: our economy. It is killing
2: (laughs) jobs. The number one job killer in the United States. Do you know what it is? Obamacare. (laughs) Obamacare will kill jobs and limit future job creation. Obamacare will kill jobs. (laughs) Democrats hit the Sunday shows trying to spin the Obamacare job kill.
1: Obamacare literally may kill you. No, no, it won't. It won't kill you. And it won't kill jobs. Since the passage of Obamacare in March of 2010, unemployment has fallen. Private sector employment has done nothing but go up month after month after month. And we ran the chart at, uh, at Bradblog.com. It has nothing but go straight up. Obamacare has killed no jobs. It's an absolute lie. More than 11 million jobs have been created since March of 2010. So, you know, when do these guys get called out for being wrong? When do they pay a price for being wrong? When do they get paid a price for simply lying to the American public? Why is that not being held against them? And by the way, why did you Americans reward these Republicans last November? Uh, despite the fact that they lie to you, despite the fact that they're so wrong. And speaking of uh, successes of the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, the uninsured rate has now dropped to 11.9% as we head into the uh, uh, second full year of Obamacare. 11.9%. That's off from, uh, what was the high here? Uh, Let's see, an estimated 14.75 million adults have gained coverage since the fall of 2013 when the law's first open enrollment season began. The uh, uninsured rates have dropped some 8.3 points since 2013. Uh, So you've been lied to about Obamacare. (laughs) Now, we've talked, you know, I need to put a disclaimer here. We're no particular fans of Obamacare, but it is doing what it was set out to do. Yes, we prefer a single payer system, Uh, but the law is doing what it was supposed to do. And anyone who tells you otherwise is simply lying to you. Okay, let's take some quick calls before we get to Desi Doyen. 818-985-5735. Let's go to uh, Cheryl in uh, Granada Hills.
2: Yeah, hi. There we
1: go. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? Welcome to the broadcast.
2: Thanks. Talk about war. To me, we're always at war. Someone's always at war. Men like it. But we haven't even paid China for our last war. (laughs) But I think people, they keep the public frightened, which is very good for business, and it keeps business going. War is a profitable thing, and in the end, they don't have to deal with the economic problem.
1: It's uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It is about profit, and uh, these guys in Congress—they don't give a damn about the economic problem. They don't give a damn about the impact on our uh, on our economy. They are simply lying to you if they uh, tell you otherwise. Thanks, Cheryl. I, I appreciate. Okay, I
2: just want to say yeah. one thing yeah. about it's the red states that are the poorest and the least educated. So. I
1: mean, yeah, and and the ones okay. who uh, uh, g- take more from the federal government than uh, than yeah, they pay in in taxes, yeah. yeah. That said, yeah. I don't like calling them red states uh, because, it, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, but the ones I'm who right. lean Republican, you're absolutely right. I don't like calling them red states because that just presumes. That they're going to be Republican forever and they're not. And there's a lot of Democrats and independents who live there. Uh, But you're absolutely right. I appreciate the call, Cheryl. Let me uh, run because I want to see if I can get in uh, a few more here before we got to get to Desi and the Green News Report. Stand by Desi. Hey, Susan, welcome to the broadcast in South Bay.
2: I lost a friend on 9-11, and I have to say one of the lowest moments was to watch all those people stand on the steps of Congress and give Bush a, and Cheney a blank check to create the war that they wanted to yep. uh, without any questioning because they thought people, uh, that's what we all wanted because all the radio stations were, let's go get them. And um, I think we all need to be speaking up and calling and saying, bring these troops home and Medicare for all. And by the way, there's a million and a half soldiers with traumatic brain injury that have been denied care at the VA and 22 suicides a day. That's only active duty. It doesn't count all the ones who come back with brain injuries who will probably uh, be way more at risk of killing themselves six months, a year, three years yep. into it. And none of those suicides are counted, plus they're not getting care. They're just being loaded up with pharmaceutical drugs, good for the business. And by the yep. way, I think uh, last I checked, somebody who takes money to pleasure the guy who gives them the money, I think we call them prostitutes, don't we?
1: Uh, I think we do. Thank you, Susan. We don't have
2: uh, Medicare for all the soldiers... we will have no
1: health care at all. I appreciate that. And I appreciate uh, you calling it out uh, because it needs to be done. But of course, I'll remind you, uh, we're going broke. We have to cut money to poor people. We can't uh, we can't pay money to keep 22 veterans a day from committing suicide because that's what's going on right now. Uh, We don't have money for that. We've got to have more wars. We've got to have a, a nuclear confrontation with Iran. Uh, okay, one more. Jim in Sunland. Welcome to the broadcast. Hi. 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 This
0: is. Hi. This is Jim. Perfect timing. Hi, Jim. Hi. Hi. I have. I have. I have a two sons, young young boys that are growing up. Yeah. And I tell you what, I will not allow my kids to go into the military in this country at this particular time. They're not gonna. I'm not gonna. Allow them to go in there to fight for Chevron oil's profits. Yeah. That's the bottom line right there. And I and I and these the people of America have gotta wake up start doing something like you say, what are we gonna do yeah. about these wackos getting into office? Yep. These people are crazy. I mean they
1: They are crazy. They are crazy, but they're going to keep getting in uh, until Americans figure this out and start voting in huge numbers. If everyone votes, it's game over for these lunatics. Jim, I got to run. I got to get to the green news. But I I, I do appreciate uh, your thoughts here and my best to your two sons. Okay, let's do some uh, some green news. Melting for Desi Doyen once again... Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, Desi, uh, a lot of – and thanks, by the way, to all the great callers. Had some great callers and wish I could have gotten to more of them, but we got to get to some green news. There's
3: always way too much to talk about. I know. There is.
1: (laughs) And you like the way I say that? I'd like to take more calls. but It's
3: my fault. But
1: we have to go to Desi and her green news. Um, Are we ready for the green? I didn't even have time. I wanted to talk to you about this uh, amazing story. That took place in the, I guess, the Antarctic uh, concerning the Bob Barker, which is that uh, ship and this 110-day ocean hunt. But I'll just uh, tease everyone with it and tell them they'll have to go look it up for themselves because we don't have time to talk about
3: it. Ah, we, too bad.
1: We got to get straight to. It's
3: very our, interesting story,
1: though. It is. Oh, they would have loved it. <laughs> thanks, thanks for rubbing it in. Okay, let's go to it. Our latest green news report. Our government can't control the weather.
3: Another GOP climate science denier enters the 2016 race. The threat is real, but so is the opportunity. And a non-denier jumps in on the Democratic side. Bad news for big coal in China.
2: Plus, now under this gag rule, we're not going to be allowed to participate with the other land managers in northern Wisconsin. It's ridiculous.
3: Florida's denier disease is spreading. Now officials in Wisconsin barred from work on climate change.
1: All of that and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And
3: I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. So the private industry gets to acknowledge the obvious science. The government has to pretend to be stupid. No pretending necessary. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, the Republican clown car continues to fill (laughs) up as we have yet another entrant into the 2016 race and another denier at that. And it seems like we have a grown up who entered the race on the Democratic side.
3: Yeah, and only 18 more months to go.
1: And about 18 more GOP candidates, but that's just a guess.
3: Well, first, let's start with Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. He's jumped into the race for the 2016 Republican presidential nomination. 43-year-old Rubio is the third major Republican to declare himself a candidate, joining Texas Senator Ted Cruz and Kentucky Senator Rand Paul, all deny the overwhelming scientific consensus that humans are driving global warming. I do not
1: believe that human activity is causing these dramatic changes to our climate the way these scientists are portraying it climate's always changing. That's not the fundamental question. The fundamental question is whether man-made activity is, the, is what's contributing most to it.
3: Those were comments from Senator Rubio over the last year or two. He used to accept the science and talked about solutions back in 2007 when he first ran for the Senate.
1: This nation and ultimately the world is headed towards emission caps and energy diversification. Florida should become the Silicon Valley of that industry. Emissions caps and energy diversification. Yeah, that was definitely 2007, back when, you know, John McCain, Sarah Palin, George W. Bush all believed in climate change that was pre-Citizens United when all the Republicans had to start pretending it never existed just to please their benefactors at Coke Industries and elsewhere.
3: There's a good question about whether his flip-flop on climate change will help him with Latino voters. He's seeking Latino voters because he is of Cuban descent, and recent polls show Latino voters strongly favor government action on climate change. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton preempted Rubio's big announcement by declaring her own candidacy for the Democratic presidential nomination the day before. Unlike Senator Rubio, Secretary Clinton is not a climate science denier. Here she is at a speech at the National Clean Energy Summit last fall. You shouldn't have to say the obvious, that the data is unforgiving, no matter what the deniers try to assert. The threat is real, but so is the opportunity. Because if we come together to make the hard choices, America can be the clean energy superpower for the 21st century.
1: Wow. It's just night and day. I'm no uh, great supporter of Hillary Clinton's, but hearing her talk about that just underscores the difference between her and, well, all of the Republicans that have jumped in the race so far. She is uh, an adult. They are not.
3: And remember, world governments are meeting this coming December to hammer out a final international climate treaty. The next U.S. president will decide whether the U.S. leads on climate change or doesn't
1: can't decide do I want her or do I want this guy
3: our government can't control the weather <laughs> good news the world's largest coal consumer is now using less coal the Guardian reports that thanks to stringent new anti-pollution regulations China's imports of coal have fallen more than 40% over the same period last year
1: 40%
3: 40% that's good for Chinese citizens and the planet but bad news for Australia's conservative Prime Minister Tony Abbott a climate change denier who is banking heavily on China buying Australia's coal. Finally, remember how Florida was recently exposed for having an unwritten ban on state employees using the words global warming and climate change?
1: I do, and though tragic... It was also kind of hysterical.
3: Yeah, well, now it seems to have spread to Wisconsin, where the Republican majority on the state's Board of Commissioners of Public Lands has voted to ban employees that manage public lands from working on or even answering emails asking questions about climate change impacts on Wisconsin's public resources.
1: It's an amazing story. This one woman who they're targeting on this on this commission had participated in a global warming study some years ago at the request of the previous governor of of Wisconsin. Yep. And now they're trying to throw her off this committee. By
3: any means possible, it's, apparently.
1: That same woman also happens to be the daughter of the Wisconsin senator who founded Earth Day back in the 70s. Yeah. Amazing. For much more on that story and the others we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman
3: and I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your
1: Green News Report.
4: It's what you-
1: I hate to keep citing Orwell, Desi Doyan, but it is so Orwellian. Uh, at Bradblog this week, uh, Ernie Canning wrote a little bit about that Wisconsin situation and the Florida situation. How uh, they're you know banning people from uh, talking about climate change. How they want to get rid of that woman. Uh, and Ernie Canning, our uh, legal uh, analyst at Bradblog, says yes. If we get rid of her, if we get rid of this woman who went to this climate change conference, then that climate change conference never happened. And if that climate change conference never happened, there is no climate change.
3: Just disappears like it never happened.
1: It's Oceana all over. Uh, hey, do we, uh, there's one uh, call here that uh, you, you want to take. This call, we got a, a quick minute here, about thirty seconds. Sure. Uh, let's go to uh, Steve in Winnetka. Hey, Steve, welcome to the broadcast. You got about thirty seconds.
0: Hi, um, I wanted to ask um, why don't we put more pressure on Jerry Brown? to end fracking in the state, which is causing so many air pollution problems and lead the nation.
1: That's that's my question and Okay comment. Desi Doyen uh, I'll leave that What's your answer there?
3: Well really quick uh, Jerry Brown the governor says that Fracking does in California specifically Is the kind of fracking Vertical fracking that doesn't use that much Water so he's not going to put any restrictions On it as far as water goes Now there are some regulations that have been put In place the first ever for California And the state but those are also Considered to be not really enough to Protect the, audience, uh, the, the citizens against the Water pollution and the air pollution so that is still an ongoing process as far as Governor Brown's concerned.
1: But Steve was specifically asking about the air pollution that is caused by fracking. Your thoughts on that?
3: Um, well, that it is an issue. Definitely is an issue. Air quality in the Central Valley is really, really bad. And part of that is due to the oil industry and not really having that many pollution controls on oil operations and gas operations. It's not just fracking. It's also the oil industry as well.
1: But can a case be made that without the fracking... Because uh, well, are they are they fracking for natural gas or oil? Both. For both. Yes. Okay. Because I was going to say the. Uh, a case can be made, obviously, that fracking uh, is better for the air than would otherwise be burning oil or
3: coal. That's true if it were natural gas. But, you know, that's talking about the burning of it. The actual drilling process has all kinds of problems. Leaks with methane, uh, leaks all over the place. And it's just a heavily industrial pollution emission mm-hmm. uh, activity. And, yeah, there's a case to be made for that. But good luck getting that through the California Assembly right now.
1: Which are a bunch of Democrats.
3: Still, but the, you know, oil Beholden, industry is very powerful yeah. here.
1: Beholden to the oil industry. Uh, thanks for that call, Steve. I do appreciate that. And thanks to all of the callers uh, this week. Really appreciate you calling in. My thanks to Desi Doyan, our producer, and to Buzz, our soundboard operator. You made it through, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it much. We'll be back, same Brad time, same Brad channel, next week. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at uh, the Brad Blog. That's who I am there. Oh, and we'll have the full archive of today's show if you missed any portion later on tonight at BradBlog.com. Until next week, we'll see ya. Good luck, world.